Let's pray. Well, there's wisdom, as it says in the Psalms, to count, to count our days as you give us in this world. I thank you for the, that song and, and the beauty of it. I think of a song by Amy Green, in a little while I'll be with the Father. In, in a little while. Well, life is, life, this life is brief in one sense. But I pray for these young ones, Lord, as they learn the wisdom of your word, the wisdom that comes from those who, who know you. Bless friends of Jesus today, this special day for them. May they learn to, to honor their mothers. As we are in the sanctuary, give us a word, a good encouragement, a word of challenge, a word uh, from you that we can take this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to Faith. <clears throat> Erica and Trishina Atkins of Inglewood, California. Their, their father was a Church of God in Christ pastor. Their mother was a school teacher. They're better known as Mary Mary. Since 1998, they're they, a Grammy award-winning gospel hip-hop group. It's a duet. It's two of them, they're sisters. Erica and Trishina, Mary Mary. First song was, take the shackles off my feet so I can dance. Yeah. I just want to praise you. just want to praise you. You broke the chains. Now I can lift my hands. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to praise you. With that first big Grammy Award winning hit, Shackles, Erica and Trisina, uh, better known as Mary Mary, found their life's purpose at an early age to sing for the glory of God. And they got their names from two women in the scriptures. Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Mary Magdalene. Why they called Mary Mary, not Erica and Katrina. Katrina. Women struggle with significance and finding their purpose often. Is my life really counting? Have I found my life's purpose? Does anybody really notice me? The little bit of contribution that I'm trying to make in this society? Christian women say it like this. Am I doing all that God has called me to do? Mother's Day is a day that brings back all those kind of questions, doesn't it? Our series that we've been looking at since uh, uh, Resurrection Sunday a few weeks ago is John 20, 21, the empty tomb, the encounters of the empty tomb and, and the power of what's happened after that. And, and, and that first week, uh, Pastor JB started with John 1, uh, 20, 1 to 18, which is the story of, of Mary Magdalene. She was not the only woman who had a life-changing encounter with Jesus, though. I want to use Mary's experience as a springboard today as, as we honor mothers and, and, and as we even honor all women in their contributions to our lives. <clears throat> well, let's look back at chapter John at, at chapter 19 for our, our key, key text here. We find there are women playing a prominent role in the cross of Christ, in the burial and resurrection of Christ. They're there. In fact, you might recall that in fulfillment of biblical prophecy, the apostles scattered. They took off. Remember that? Um, they were not there when they crucified our Lord. They were not there. There was probably more danger for them to hang around, you know. For three years, they would hang around with Jesus, and they were identified easily, and, and they would go after the men next, they thought. Remember, we, last week we talked about um, Lazarus when he was in, in Bethany. 
and, 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 and he was sick. And, and Thomas was concerned because Jesus wanted to go to Bethany. And Thomas says, there's danger down there, Jesus. And, but Jesus wanted to go. And, and he said, let us go. Thomas says, let us go to Judea that we may die with him. Remember that? They were afraid. There, was, there was real fear for them. And now that Jesus had died, there was fear still. So our, our text is John chapter 19, verses 25 to 27. Three, three simple verses. We'll use that as a springboard. Let's stand and listen to God's word here from John 19. <clears throat> it's on the screen here, your Bibles. So, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and, and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. You may be seated. My title is Mary, Mary. God is making disciples in this world, and he's doing it through, through, through all kinds of men, all kinds of women. He's doing it for his glory. And, 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 and Mary, Mary, we're going to focus on the discipleship of, of these women today. On this day, we're going to look particularly at the essential and unique disciple-making role that he's given to mothers, women, aunts, older sisters, spiritual moms, who through words of grace and deeds of grace pour into the lives of others in a special way. My mom, my dad, that, that's a picture of them a few years ago. My dad's now passed away years ago. My mom is still alive. She's 91 years old. Saw her the other day. Um, and then there's a picture of my mom. Actually, this picture is interesting. This is uh, like four generations. There's, <laughs> there's, uh, there's Terry, there's Grace, there's my mom, and, and there's my, my, one of my grandkids, Aaliyah. That's got, that was a few years ago, Mother's Day. Four generations there. But um, <clears throat> my mom, love my mom. My moms and dads have different kind of influences, at least in my life. I don't know about you. Um, it, often we think of, 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 of dads being truth and moms being grace. There's a little bit of truth there sometimes, but... I found that I got both grace and truth from my mom and my dad. That's one reason why I feel I was blessed. It was pretty balanced. I mean, there, there was certainly times when, when I needed some discipline, and mom would say, wait till your dad gets home. Some of you know what I'm talking about, right? Um, but there were also times when she didn't wait till dad got home. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Grace and truth from mom and dad who loved you, loved me. We're going to look at the, first the list of the Marys in the New Testament, and then some lessons from the Marys of the New Testament. That's what we're going to do today. First is the list of the Marys, and I've got seven Marys in the New Testament. Seven Marys we're going to look at. First, number one, Mary, the mother of the Lord Jesus Christ. She's, of course, the most famous Mary of them all. She was faithful to Joseph, her betrothed, their husband. She was the Virgin Mary, honored by, by Christians throughout history. Matthew chapter 1, Matthew 1 tells a story. Luke chapter 2 tells a story. We do believe she had other children. Mark chapter 6, uh, they're listed. When they go to Nazareth, he said, wait a minute, isn't, that the mother? isn't, he the, isn't, isn't Jesus the brother of James and Joseph? And that, that, that's what happens in, 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 when he goes back to hometown Nazareth. He couldn't do any miracles. But then in chapter 3 of Mark, Mark tells us of an interesting encounter when things were, well, the family was getting concerned about Jesus. 
What's going on here? He's, he's having Messiah complex. Well, he was Messiah complex. But they were concerned about his safety, and so they, they, he, they were outside, and he says, here are my mothers and brothers, those who do the will of God. But so, so we believe that, we believe that, that um, Mary did have other children. We, we also believe from Scripture that from, from age 12 to age, sometime between age 12 and age 30 in Jesus, Joseph disappeared. Probably he passed away. Um, so she is a Mary, Mary, Mother Mary was a, was a widow. You might remember the first miracle that Jesus did in Cain of Galilee? Remember that? Uh, Turn water into wine. Mary said, just do what he says. The first miracle, John chapter 2. But she's at the cross. And at this cross, as we heard in the text, John was given the privilege of, of caring for her. Jesus, as the oldest son, would care for his mom in a special way. And before he died, he remembered mom and said, behold your son, behold your mother. He, he, he gave John the responsibility of making sure his mother was taken care of before he passed away. That's the care of Jesus for his earthly mom. She was in the upper room later in Acts chapter 1. She's one of those in the upper room after the resurrection, after the ascension, who are praying, waiting for Pentecost. She, her name is listed, one of the last ones listed there. So she experienced the Pentecostal blessing of Acts chapter 2, probably. All right, so Mary, the mother of Jesus. You all know Mother Mary. Second, the second Mary is Mary Magdalene, Mary Magdalene from Magdala. Uh, she was one of the rich resources of Jesus' ministry. And she was healed of seven demons. Uh, Luke chapter 8, very important passage here. Let me read 8, 1 to 3. Soon afterward, he went through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the 12 were with him, the 12 apostles. And also women, so women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. And Joanna, the wife of Chaz, the Herod's household manager, and Susanna's, Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. You need to understand that Jesus had a traveling crew of apostles and disciples that were men, and he also had women who were part of that crew. you got to understand that. And you got to understand how radical that was. Very radical. And this passage tells us that some of these, those who are listed were those who resourced the ministry. So they were rich. They were either inherited money or they, or, or, or they were, were businesswomen. We don't know. I'm having problems with my ear today. <laughs> so you've got to understand that about the ministry of Jesus. And every time that the, there's a list of the women who follow Jesus, the first one is Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene. Just as Peter was always first in the, in the list of the men, Mary is always first in the, the list of women. <clears throat> Commentator says this, Magdala, which means tower in Hebrew, is usually identified as uh, tereke, which is, mean, means salted fish, it's a Hebrew word, in, in Greek, Greek word. It was a town located in the western shore of the Sea of Galilee, about one mile north of Tiberias. Tiberias. So the sea, sea of Galilee, Tiberias, where Jesus was, um, so it's very close to there. As the Greeks suggest, Magdala was a prominent fishing town, Salted fish were an important export in the Roman Empire, making Magdala a prosperous center of, of business. Now, Magdalene is, is generally taken to mean that Mary came from Magdala. Okay, that's her town. Since women of the day were usually known by a name that linked them to a man, such as a, her husband, father, brother, or son, such as Joanna we saw on the list, it's possible that Mary Magdalene was unattached. 
If this is the case, her financial security could have resulted from inheriting property in the area or from the proceeds of a Magdala business enterprise. Whatever the case, her commitment to Jesus' ministry involved a significant financial element that was uncommon for a woman of that time period. So, so here she, she was, I mean, again, and, and her story begins with the fact that she had seven demons that were exercised. And then she became prominent and, 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 and if not, well off enough that she could help to fund the ministry of Jesus. It became one of the key disciples of Jesus. Mary Magdalene, so she's there at the cross, observing the cross. She's there observing the burial of Christ. And as we heard, she's, she's the first one who, who's the first one that Jesus gives the, the responsibility of going and telling. <laughs> she's there at the empty tomb as they dash there, John chapter 20. We heard that a few weeks ago. Matthew 28, Luke 24, Mark 15, Mary Magdalene, she's the one sent to tell the disciples. Okay, the third Mary is Mary of Bethany. We, we heard the scripture reading earlier, Mary, several passages about her. She's the one from the famous Mary and Martha story in Luke chapter 10 that we heard. So there we know that, that she is one who, rather than doing the job of serving in that incident, the job of the traditional job of women, she was doing the other job of women, which was to listen to Jesus. She was sitting at his, at his feet, which was the, the task of the disciple, the learner, sitting and learning from the rabbi. And uh, Jesus uh, affirms her in that learning posture. And then we, we also heard John 12, John 11 and 12. Uh, she was at her her brother Lazarus' death. And you remember the scene we talked about last week where, where Lazarus was sick. Mary comes and says, hey, you got, come on, Jesus. My, you're, you're, the one you love, Lazarus, is sick. you got to go heal him. And Jesus doesn't go immediately, and, and he dies. So then she says, Lord, if you'd have been there, he wouldn't have died. And they have this interactions, and Jesus weeps, and then Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. She's part of that family, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And, uh, and, but in, in the next chapter, chapter 12 of John, we see her affection and her worship of Jesus, anointing his body with rich perfume and, and, and rubbing his feet with her hair, the beautiful aroma. Mary, Bethany, Bethany, a suburb of Jerusalem on the east side. Now, let's, let's, so we've got three so far. Let me pause a little bit because now, now it gets a little difficult. The text gets difficult here. John 12, 1925, main text. Standing at the cross of Jesus were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And as you look at that list, the commentators differ of whether that's a list of three or four. Okay? Let's kind of briefly walk through this carefully. Is that text talking about three women or four women? Now, two options. Option A is there's Mary, Mother Mary, there's... Mary Magdalene, clearly, but then this middle, it says, uh, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas. Is his mother's sister named Mary, Mary the wife of Clopas, or is that two people? It, we're not sure. Commentators go differently on this. Option B is that uh, Mary's sister is Mary, the wife of Clopas. It's not Mary, the wife of Clopas. So, so I... I I struggle with this all week, and I, I, my decision is that, that there are really four people listed here, not three. Some comment, you'll read commentators that say there's three. There's, I believe there's four people here. A couple reasons. Um, <clears throat> Mother Mary 
and Merrick Magnet are clearly in both the lists, okay? So that, that, that the, the lists are common there. But um, if this other Mary is Mother Mary's sister, that would be awkward. <laughs> it wouldn't be impossible to have the same name. But I, I just don't think that happened. I, I, I remember when I was thinking about naming, I shouldn't say this, but I was name my name our sons. I said, one thing I don't want to do is, is call uh, any of my sons uh, Stanley Jr. Because I don't want any confusion about which one I'm, you know, you're talking about. You know, you're just Stan, Senior and Junior. And uh, this, there could be a simple, somewhat of a confusion with his two names. Again, that happens all the time with his, the same name in the family. But, but my, my take is that this is probably, that, that's one reason. Um, but now we'll look at the, the, another reason in a second. I believe that Mary's, Mother Mary's sister is not Mary of Clopas. That's a different person. All right, so now with that in mind, let's look at Mary number four. Mary number four is the mother of James the Younger. James the Younger, one of the disciples, called James the Less by some. We can call him Little Jimmy if you want to. James the Younger. In the disciple, there were several James. There was James, uh, 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 who was part of the first group, and it was James, son of Alphaeus, James the Younger, James the Less, Little Jimmy. His mother is the one that's talked about here. Now, two, two parallel verses, uh, Matthew 27, 56, and Mark 15, 40. I have a chart here for that again, yes. Um, <coughs> Again, look, look at the list carefully. Both lists begin with Mary Magdalene, right? We have Mary, Matthew, Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and then Mark, Mary, the mother of James, the younger, and Joseph, which is a different ending. Why? I don't know. And then the mother of the sons of Zebedee, and Mark says Salome. Now, we, we can go into background about why, where there's different names, but I believe that Salome is the mother of the sons of Zebedee, which is interesting. Let's call her Aunt Sally, okay? Because I believe that she was Jesus' aunt. She was Jesus' aunt. Now, 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 look, Mother Mary is omitted in each of those of Matthew and Mark here. Mother Mary is omitted in those lists. Um, Mary is the mother of James, the son of Alphaeus, and Joseph. And that's not, that's not Mother Mary. Different Mary. Though they some of the same names in that family. Salome is the wife of Zebedee the mother of James and John, okay? The disciples in, in the group A of the disciples. Now, you might remember, if you think about that, if Salome is, is Mother Mary's sister, that means, again, that was Aunt Sally. And it, that, it, it, it kind of shines some light on that encounter in Matthew chapter 20 when, you know, the disciples were wondering who would have the, the places of high authority in the kingdom? Who would sit on the right hand and the left hand? And, and there was a lot of discussion among the disciples about who had those priv privileged places. And they said, and so rather than James and John asking Jesus, they sent Aunt Sally to ask Jesus, okay? That's kind of what's going on there. And Jesus says, no, no, it's not given to know those kind of things. Didn't, didn't give them. Just because they were in group A of the disciples didn't mean that they had special places in the coming kingdom. Anyway, interesting insights. So I believe that in Mary number four is the mother of James, the son of Alphaeus, little Jimmy, James the lesser, James the younger. Mary number five is Mary the wife of Clopas. That's a different person than, than Mary's sister. And again, our text, Matthew, uh, John 19, 25, Mary the wife of Clopas. Now, the, the question, there's one question about her. Um, it, Clopas, there's a, there's a Cleopas, 
in Luke 24, a man named Cleopas, who was one of those, when Jesus, you remember the story when Jesus uh, talked to two disciples along the road to Emmaus? Remember that story? And, and, and it, it, we only give to have the name of one of them, Cleopas. And some think that maybe this Cleopas is Cleopas, different, different spelling of the name. Interesting thing about that, some people have thought that that road to Emmaus story um, was not two male disciples, but a male and a woman, maybe a married couple. That would, that would make sense. It could make sense that it was uh, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Clopas. Maybe. Conjecture. We don't know. But number five, Mary, is Mary, the wife of Clopas. Number six, Mary, now the, ne the next two are not in the Gospels, but, but I want it just so you know. The next two are very simple. Um, um, in Acts chapter 12, the mother of John Mark, the, the gospel writer Mark, his mother's name was Mary. We find that in Acts chapter 12. There's a big prayer meeting at, his, at that house, and um, John Mark's there. That's, uh, John's the cousin, the cousin of Barnabas, so he, that was part of the family. And he, he was a future missionary. He was a disciple of Simon Peter. Peter calls him his son. He wrote the second gospel for us. And the seventh Mary is very obscure, very obscure. One mentioned, Romans 6, 16, where Paul has a list of people he's commending. He says, greet Mary who has worked or labored hard for you. So among that list of people in Romans 16 is our last Mary. So again, I believe that there's seven Marys in the New Testament. Some would say six. We won't argue with that. Mother Mary, Mary Magdalene, Mary of Bethany, Mary, the wife of Clopas, Mary, the mother of James the Less, and Mary, the mother of John Mark, and then Mary of Rome. Now, what are some lessons we can learn? There's a couple lessons we can learn. So just, just thinking about who these women are. And the first is very simple. Jesus calls women to have lives that are transformed. Just he calls men the same way. He, he wants to transform lives. Mary Magdalene, seven demons. She was rich. She thought, became a follower of Jesus. She laid down her, her demons and laid down her riches for the kingdom of God. Like men, women are sinners in need of God's grace. Have you learned that yet? <laughs> well, let me say it again. Like men, women are sinners in need of the grace of God. And Jesus caused women to be, be, be transformed by his grace. Jesus called women apart from their husbands and fathers. Very radical in that day. Very radical. Jesus calls women. If your husband don't want to do it, well, you need to do it. He calls women. Last, a year ago, I was at uh, the MLK, Martin Luther King 50 conference, and a speaker named Jackie Hill Perry was one of the speakers there. She's a young lady, the mother of two small kids. She was one of the, the speakers, platform speakers. She shared about raising the, the, the next generation was her theme, of Christians to be more open to ethnic diversity in the life of the body of Christ. And she said this, we can't model what we don't believe. Your children, your mentees, those are your mentor, your disciples, your youth group, they are learning from you even if you don't know it yet. If there's any indifference in your heart towards gospel diversity, you better know that your indifference will be then, to them a norm to which their worldview will be shaped. Now, again, she's a mother of two small kids, but that's not how she envisioned her life. Let me tell you about this woman. In a Christianity Today magazine excerpt from an article entitled, I loved my girlfriend, but God loved me more. 
we find her salvation story. It's, it is clear that Jesus has transformed her life. Here, here's an excerpt from that article. God knew he wouldn't get my attention in a church. Churches didn't care too well for people like me. Me being a gay girl, a gay girl who knew better than to let my feet take me where I didn't feel welcome. So God came to my house. I was having a very unspiritual kind of night. The TV was on. The morning was hours away. My thoughts were boring and typical until they turned on me. As suddenly and randomly as Paul was struck blind on the Damascus Road, I had the unsettling thought that my sin would be the death of me. To me, God calling me to himself sounded an awful lot like God calling me to be straight, as if his only intention were to transform me partially. But that was far from the truth. Though God was very concerned with how I lived out my sexuality, he was just as concerned with what I did with my hands. And if my fingerprints would be found on anything righteous, he was just as concerned with my mind and how it held hell in it all, at all times. He cared deeply that I used my mouth in a manner that showed some awareness that he is always listening. Homosexuality might have been my loudest sin, but it was not my only sin. God was not about getting me set free from one form of slavery only to leave me enslaved to other idols. By calling me to himself, he was after my whole heart. His intention was to turn it towards him and transform it as only he could, enabling me to be holy in how I express my sexuality and everything else. When God saves, he saves holistically. So my repentance would not be singular that night. I knew that I wasn't just it wasn't just about my lesbianism that had, that had me at odds with God. It was my entire heart. As Jackie Hill teaches, Jesus transforms lives. The second thing is Jesus calls all kinds of women with all kinds of varied life experiences. The list of those seven Marys, it's all kinds of women. You know, it's incorrect to think that, that only moms can be used by God or only those who work in the business world can be used by God. Where only those who are great women leaders in the church can be used by God. He chooses and uses all kinds of women in all kinds of situations for his glory. So in Scripture, we've seen, uh, we see rich women and we see poor women. We see married women and single women. We see mothers and we see childless women. We see Jewish women. We see Gentile women. We see all kinds of women. We see socially respectable women. We see socially disrespectable women. All kinds of women can be transformed by Jesus Christ. That's, our, that's the good news of the gospel. Women from all kinds of lifestyle experiences, blessing all kinds of people. We think of this when we read, of, uh, read of, of Luke 10, the passage there, Mary and Martha. Did you ever notice something about, about, about Mary of Bethany, about her story? In, in Luke 10, we see her sitting at the rabbi's feet, an image of discipleship, sitting at his feet. In John 12, we see the other side of Mary of Bethany. She's washing his feet, sitting at his feet, learning, washing his feet, serving. Foot washing was a task of servant. So Mary of Bethany is actually an example of a woman who can flex between the role of being a, a learning disciple and a serving role. She's a real model for, of, of that. By, by the way, Someone asked me, she is not the woman of Luke chapter 7 where this woman came and, and, and 
Peter's to Simon's house. It says there in that passage that that was a woman from the streets. This was not, this was not Mary of Bethany. But don't, but don't miss the lesson from Mary of Bethany's life. Don't miss that message. Jesus was radical. Women resourced his ministry. They traveled with him. They learned from him with men. And they did traditional things like cooking, cleaning, having kids. And Jesus dignified all the callings of women. There's an old commercial. Some of you are too old or too young to remember this commercial. It was an Angelie perfume. The ditty was this. It was a memorable ditty. I can bring home the bacon and fry it up in the pan. Some of you remember that, huh? I can bring home the bacon, fry it up in the pan, and never let you forget you're a man. Because <laughs> I'm a woman. That, that commercial is probably 40, 50 years old, but very memorable. But that was, that, that's, a, that, that's a reminder of us that the callings of women can be diverse. And that some women can have diverse callings just in their own life, in their own, during various seasons. Jesus calls all kinds of women from all kinds of situations. And, and the last thing we want to see about this is that Jesus calls women to participate in his disciple-making process. This process of making disciples that he's called us all to do, the Great Commission. Women participate in that, in that process just as men do. As we heard, again, Resurrection Morning, Mary was told to go and tell. Go and tell the disciples that he's risen from the dead. To go, to be sent. The word apostle, apostello in the Greek, is to, the word to be sent. It's a verb. And it, 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 it's a, the, the, the title of apostle is one who is especially called and appointed to a task by Jesus Christ. That's an apostle, apostello. And one of the criteria of being an apostle was to be the, one of those who walked with Jesus and saw the risen Lord. We find that in Acts chapter 1. But you know, there were some men and some women who weren't called to be capital A apostles, to have the special privilege of being one of the 12. And yet, those men and women are also sent. Sent. Apostle with a small a, not the technical term apostle, but all, all of us sent to go and tell others of Jesus Christ? First Peter says this, in your hearts, honor Christ as the Lord, as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that's in you. That verse isn't just to the leaders, it's to all of you in the church to be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have. The highest calling in the kingdom is to make disciples. And we're all called to do that in our own way. And we said last, last week that there's, kind of se there's several uh, disciple-making models. There's the, we talked about the crisis model of someone late in life coming to an encounter, a dramatic encounter with Jesus Christ, a crisis model. And then there's what I called the journey model, someone being raised in the faith and, and journeying and, and, and kind of always believing, having smaller steps of, of many, many crises. Church history has told us that most people who are following Jesus Christ started early in life. Church history has told us that. Contemporary church history still tells us that. Most people who claim to follow Jesus Christ, it started young in their life. It wasn't from a crisis model. It was from a journey model of being raised in a church, being raised in a family of faith. We were raised to see the gospel and hear the gospel. 
where Christ is proclaimed and God uses that influence of a mother, of, of, of a dad, of a, of a Sunday school teacher, of a pastor, of a youth pastor, someone who simply says that Jesus saves and someone who's joyfully walking with Jesus Christ. Now, often that prepares a person for a, a crisis later in life. That was my story. But let's never, ever minimize the importance of those early, small encounters which pile up. The world will tell a mother who chooses to pour all of her energies into the role of being a wife and a mother as wasting her gifts. Be careful. Be careful. Don't, don't buy into that. Pouring your life and to, to, to the journey, the, the small journey of a young one is kingdom work. Thankless work, tough work, but it's kingdom work. And the, va- the vast majority of social ills that we see can be traced back to making this, to not taking seriously this task of making disciples a priority. So, so to me, Mother's Day is about disciple making. It's, it's, it's about this call we all have to make disciples of those, to influence those who are around us for Jesus Christ. Let me close with just a verse, a, a passage from the Apostle Paul. It's an interesting passage. Uh, we're talking about disciple making and, and, and mothering. It's 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. He says this, talking to the Thessalonians who he had, had planted that, plant that church. He's now gone. He says, for you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain, But though we have already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. He's saying, remember, I came and I preached the gospel in the midst of some conflict. I think he was in Thessalonica for only a a little bit of time, a few weeks, and he he was chased away. Verse verse 3, for our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please men, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is our witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. Listen to this, what he says. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. It's Paul, the great apostle Paul. He says, we came to you with gentleness, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. And so, being affectionately desirous of you, we're ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you have become very dear to us. He says he gave him what? He gave him the gospel of God, and he gave him himself. Brothers and sisters, that's, that's, that's what the Great Commission is all about. It's giving ourselves to people. And it's giving a word of hope of of Jesus Christ, good news to people. This Mother's Day, this day as we think about moms, let's think about moms in the context of the great commission of Jesus Christ. We are all, all called to do the task of giving ourselves to those who need Christ and telling them with our mouth that it's Christ that they need. Let's pray. Lord, we often get confused by the various Marys that we see in the New Testament. Thank you for, for, for 
this time to just study that and think through that and, 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 and the, the implications of it for us, reminding us that you use all kinds of, of women, all kinds of men, those who will commit themselves to you, to be transformed by you, to have the hope of the gospel. But I pray for mothers here, I pray for all of us here, Lord, that we would be people who would trust you and love you and, and want to walk with you more carefully. If there are people here who, who have not made a commitment to Jesus Christ, I pray that the gospel would be clear to them that it's not about what they do, but what he has done for us, that we can have the confidence of eternal life. But bless this word in Jesus' name. Amen. Closing on song is Christ Alone. It's like the... Uh